He's been advisor to Presidents Clinton and Trump. And now, he's here to advise us all. Dick Morris is on 77 WABC. Dick Morris, Dick the Morris. secret agent for Donald Trump. Uh, I was secretly uh, helping to run the Trump campaign, basically in charge of the message and working with John McLaughlin, the pollster. And, but it was secret. Uh, Trump wanted it that way. I did, too. He has enough baggage. I have enough baggage. Yeah. We felt That's when we combined him, it could be a heavy lift. And, the uh, plane won't get off the ground. Yeah, and uh, I was also unpaid. But if you want a real portrait of what it was like in that campaign, what it's like to talk to Trump and work with Trump, go to the book. Uh, the book is called uh, The Return, the big Trump comeback of 2024. There's an incredible story in it where I, 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 I felt that the big thing that was hurting Trump was he failed. He never wore a mask. And uh, I went to him and I said, I'm, I'm actually quoting what I said. I, I, with some sanitizing for radio, I said, Mr. President, the only thing that's standing between you and re-election is an effing piece of cloth. Wear the effing mask. <laughs> and I didn't say effing. I <laughs> spelled it out. And perhaps um, he was rocked back by the ferocity of my attack because I was furious about it. I said, piece of cloth is holding you back. And uh, and he said, "Well, do I have to wear it all the time?" And I said, "When I speak." And I said, "No, we'll have it on you on when you go before the mic. Ostentatiously take it off and then speak and then put it back on." And he said, "Well, I'm going to Walter Reed Hospital next week uh, for an event, and it's appropriate in the hospital, so I'll wear it there." And he did. And Eileen and I were watching on TV, and when we saw him with the mask, we just celebrated. <laughs> That's great. But there's a larger point to that story that's interesting. I thought during the campaign that we really had absolutely done it to Joe Biden because he was running on the past. His whole thing was fight COVID. And our whole thing was uh, restore the economy after COVID. So I felt like he was running on the past and we were running on the future. And the more he talked about COVID, the more we talked about the economy, the more I thought we had an edge on him. And in the polling, uh, he won by 10 points, which man do you think will be better to fight COVID? But we won by 10 points, which man will be better to help the economy recover after. So I was happy with that. Yeah. Then after the election, after the results were in, after we saw the chicanery that went on, I realized what happened. I realized I had fallen into a trap that the whole Trump campaign had. The reason that he was talking about COVID, the reason he always had a mask on, the reason he only hid in his basement, the reason everybody went crazy about COVID 
was to justify mail-in voting mm. by saying that it is a lethal danger to man, woman, and child for you to vote in person. And when and we know that that was garbage because when 80 million people did vote in person, uh, no, there was no spike in cases. Right. It was absolutely flat. Uh, so it's entirely contrivance to justify the fraud that could only be achieved with mail-in voting. So it's insights like that that I've got in the book, and there are like a hundred of them. I'll never be able to tell you all over the air. So get the book. You'll you'll really enjoy it. Great book. Now, I want to introduce, as you know, Doug DePiro, who's with me here. Hey, uh, Doug builds and restores cars and bikes. He paints murals, pictures, photorealism, and I call him my irrepressible <laughs> and irreplaceable, irreplaceable. friend. <laughs> Uh, Just do it. There's a conspiracy going on with the Democratic Party that I want to expose. I do expose in the book, but I want to do it here. They have hit on a plan to stop Donald Trump from winning and to stop the Republicans from winning. And it is to intervene in the Republican Party nominating process. So, for example, in 22 this year in primaries, in five states, the Republicans, the Democrats spent $44 million to influence the outcome of the primaries. And they would, in some states, they wanted a less funded guy to win. Other states, they wanted somebody who was too radical right to win. Uh, some states, they wanted a guy who was very unpopular to win. And they would buy ads wow. for the candidate they wanted to win, even though he'd be the weaker candidate. And that's how they tried to win these races. And they're doing a variant of it right now against Donald Trump. They are using the January 6th hearings and the media coverage of politicians to foment and hype a primary fight, to to seduce popular Republican candidates to get them to run against Donald Trump, like they're trying to seduce Ron DeSantis to do that. All over the place, every place he goes, they get presidential coverage. He issues an executive order in the state of Florida. It's coast-to-coast coverage. And they're doing that to lure him into a primary fight against Trump. Remember, I can't remember, but back in 1980, Ted Kennedy ran against Jimmy Carter for president in the Democratic primary and so split the Democratic Party and so drained Carter's resources that Ronald Reagan walked in in 1980 uh, to the presidency. That's what they're trying to do now. So get used to the fact that Donald Trump is running. Get used to the fact that he's going to win the nomination. He's going to be our candidate. And right, if you so flirt don't, with don't, DeSantis, don't water it down. Don't yeah, water if you it flirt down. with DeSantis, if you say, oh, I, I like his record, but I don't like his personality, if you get too picky... And as a result, we get a primary fight. You'll blow it. Yeah, right. You'll deliver this election back to the Democrats. Right. You absolutely will be part of blowing this election. Oh, they can say, oh, Donald Trump, he tweets and he's yeah. angry. He should lighten up. Doug had a great line the other day. I said, people want a kinder, gentler, sweeter, nicer Donald Trump. And Doug said, would they have liked General Patton to be sweeter and nicer and <laughs> gentler true, when he was fighting the Wehrmacht with France and Germany? Oh, no, can you, you needed Donald Patton to yeah. be a son of a whatever, yeah, right. and you need Donald Trump sometimes to be that. 
So um, now some of you may not agree with me. There may be some folks out there that like DeSantis or think maybe we should have a primary and people will fall no. for the line that, oh, primaries are healthy. The hell they are. They rip apart your campaign. They distract you. They eat up all your money. Right. And they give the your own party a chance to shoot at you. It's like the old line in the schoolyard. Hey, let's you and him fight. <laughs> and that's what's going on. It really is a variant of the concept of divide and conquer that the Romans used to run their empire. The Democrats are trying to make mischief in the Republican primary and in the Republican field. They're trying to give Donald Trump a race. They're trying to encourage people to beat him up. They're trying to get negative information out there. And I'm not talking about Liz Cheney and uh, Mitt Romney. They're hopeless. But I'm talking about people who are sincerely, honestly dedicated to defeating the Democrats, but who feel that Trump is just too much. They feel we don't want to have to litigate his personal baggage. Well, damn it. Donald Trump is the only guy who can run for president and can deliver the coup de grace to the Democrats, which is to say, I did it. Right. How do you know? We, how do we know you can't? You can fight inflation. It's an inevitable consequence of where our economy is at. And he says, BS, I did it. I was president. Gas prices will always be high. You can't bring them down. I did it when I was president. In the modern era, we can never seal the border. Illegal immigration is an artifact of our time. I did it. I sealed the border. And that argument is impossible for the Democrats to answer. And ISIS. ISIS. He got ISIS. ISIS. So you give the nomination to to DeSantis. and And the Democrats come back and say, well... I know that you don't like high gas prices, but what can you do about it? Right. How do we, how do we, why do we believe you? Why do we believe you that you can fight inflation? You don't have, Florida doesn't embrace those records. Those aren't state issues. How do we know that you can stand up to Putin? You don't know anything about foreign policy. You've never met Putin. Probably never been to Russia. How do we know you can do any of that? And that's a very potent argument. That's the way an incumbent counterattacks against a challenger and undermines him. And they can't do that with Donald Trump. And secondly, the big change, we'll talk about this a little bit later today. My guest today is Tina Forte, who is running against AOC. Uh, thank God there's somebody doing that. We'll She's get to know Tina. So. But um, but the the whole point about that is that we have got to defeat the Democrats uh and the big way to do that is to get the Hispanic vote. And the Hispanics are leaving the Democrats in droves and joining the Republicans. And there's one reason for that, patriotism. They don't want to go for anybody that tears this country down, a country they crossed across the ocean on a raft sometimes to get to. 
their last hope for freedom and opportunity. And there's one guy who embodies patriotism. He uses it. If you ask anyone, what's who's the politician in America who most embodies patriotism, it's, it's Donald Trump. His every utterance, his everything is America first, America, America land of the free. And therefore, he is uniquely attractive to the Latino vote. Forget whether he can speak Spanish or not. That doesn't mean anything. What means something is, do you speak their language, not literally, but politically? And he does by talking about the uniqueness of America, the exceptionalism of America. And the third thing that Donald Trump does that no other candidate can possibly do is that he has he relates to the blue-collar American voter, the guys who live, women who live in flyover country. Hillary Clinton called them deplorables. Right. Barack Obama said they cling to their guns and Bibles because of their frustrations. And Trump said, no, they're Americans. They're entitled to our policy to help them. So I'm going to restrict imports. I'm going to cut out illegal immigration so they're not to fight for their jobs with somebody that just got here two hours ago. And and that is a unique way to get those voters. Well, he personally has been working with them for 60 years in Manhattan, building buildings and always working with Teamsters and the workers and the iron workers. He was always on the job. Yeah, a very good point. He has, he has experience other candidates you know, don't the really. regular guy. But get used to it. It's going to be Donald Trump, and you're either for him or against him. Every time you open your mouth, you're either saying something positive about him that helps him or something negative about him that elects the Democrats, and you right. take your choice. Talk Radio 77 WABC. It's Sunday, and you know what that <clears throat> means. Here's Dick Morris on 77 WABC. If you don't think Washington is dangerous, it's a high crime neighborhood. The uh, the the worst crime rate of the people in the House of Representatives who've been indicted. <laughs> Uh, the uh, let's take some calls from George in Rockland County. Hey, George. Hey, how you doing? Okay, so listen, that's my take. Okay, uh, I agree with you when it comes to uh, Trump for presidency, but that's my second one. Okay, DeSantis to VP, and then after four years, because he cannot run more than four years, DeSantis runs for, for presidency. Now you're going to say, well, you know, they always have. Uh, the president is from one side of the country. No, George, what I'm going to say to you is brilliant idea, a great idea. Let's go for it. Uh, clearly, DeSantis has become the second most admired Republican in the country. He's great. And he ought to have a place on the ticket. And uh, I think it's very possible that Trump may do that. Um, but what the what the Democrats are trying to do is to make them fight each other and hate each other and tear each other apart. Divide and conquer. And after that, Trump isn't going to have money. Trump is not exactly the forgiving sort, yeah. you may have noticed. <laughs> and, and I don't think that uh, DeSantis would absolutely kill himself, kill his chances of being VP and kill his chances of 2028. 20, Remember, after Kennedy ran against Carter, his political career was over. The Democrats wouldn't give him the right time of day because they blamed him Pat, Pat for Ronald Kennedy? Reagan's election. Ted. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
Uh, and uh, Jude, oh, Judith in Brooklyn. Hi, Judith. Hey, my wonderful friend. What's Hi. Up? Hi. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Hi. Hi. Two things. One, um, with all the impeachments and the daily harassment that Trump had to go through, if you, just imagine, he, Trump to me, seemingly, he stays so focused, nothing phases him, okay? He did yep. great, even though all these things were happening to him. And you know what, Dick? I'm going to remind you of something you said. You said that some of his so-called negatives are really positive. Yep. Because when it comes to tackling domestic and international politics, you need a guy like Trump. Yeah. So yeah, nice I, guys I, can't I, hack it. Right. Uh, Leo DeRocha exactly. said nice guys finish last. Yeah, Patton. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you, Judith. Thank you, Great, Judith. As always. And Jerry in the Hudson Valley. Hey, Jerry. I, I've noticed that uh, – Mike Pence is running around supporting the candidates opposite uh, yeah. what President Trump is supporting. Yes. Uh, how bad is the blood, the bad blood between uh, the swamp rat, Mike Pence, and, and Donald Trump? Very bad. Uh, Trump and Pence got along famously during the years he was in the office. He was in office, and uh, he and Trump liked Pence and appreciated the very good job he did on the COVID task force. The lieutenant. But when they came to the count, counting the electoral votes, Pence could have said what Ted Cruz said he should have said, which is these votes are in dispute because the state legislatures have conducted audits that have indicated that some of the ballots were fraudulent. And I will not accept these votes until that has been determined and adjudicated. So I refer it back to the legislatures. And he wouldn't do that. And uh, he Why was, do you think? He was gutless. The whole media was on, was saying you, you're destroying the country, you're you're undermining our whole democracy, and uh, it would have been so controversial that there's only one guy in the country with the stones to do that, and that's Donald Trump, yeah. and he wasn't available. Um, now there is a hoax going on right now, and thank goodness I have this microphone to be able to expose it. The Democrats are not conv- are not content with talking about abortion because they know that it's a very limited issue. First of all, the only people that are affected adversely by the court decision are people who live in states that make abortion illegal. And there is nothing to prevent them from spending $89.46 and taking a Greyhound bus to the state next door and having an abortion there. I mean, don't give me that it's a financial hardship. I mean, it's ridiculous. And, uh, and there's, and there will be, you can always do that. And in the states where, uh, it's not illegal, there's no change. Uh, In New York, nobody will ever know the law exists. So how can they drive people crazy? about an issue that doesn't really affect them. So what they're doing is they're saying, well, it isn't abortion. It's birth control and gay marriage, stuff that really does affect millions of people. And what they're saying is that when the court eliminated the right to privacy, which is what the Roe v. Wade decision was based on, they inferred in the Constitution a right to privacy, a zone the government couldn't legislate in. And they said that abortion was in that, and therefore it was protected. And the strict construction said we looked all night and we couldn't see the word privacy in the Constitution. Mm-hmm. How did you infer it's there? And the court said, finally, it's not there. And then the Democrats are saying because there's no right to privacy, the Griswold decision 
1965, Virgil v. Connecticut, which said birth control could not be banned by states, will go will be overruled, and so will the gay marriage decision. Uh, I of, of about seven or eight years ago, the gay marriage decision that required states to recognize gay marriage, and they're saying these are rights secured by privacy. If you take away the pedestal on which the statue is based, the statue is going to come falling to the ground, and both of these cases will be dismissed. Wrong, 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 wrong. Neither of those cases are based on the right to privacy. Neither of them. Griswold predated Roe by nine years, so it wasn't based on a right the court hadn't discovered yet. Mm. And what it was based on was the was was the concept that that the state interest did not lead to regulations about contraception and that states could not do that they could for health reasons but not for other reasons for social reasons and the court struck it down roe if roe had never been decided griswold would still exist mm. if abortions were still illegal you can still get birth control now, the way the Democrats confuse the issue is they say, oh, no, what about the morning after pill? And they consider that contraception, and the Republicans consider that abortion. And that's an issue for the states to decide. Is it contraception and therefore legal under Griswold or abortion, and we therefore have the right to make it illegal? But that decision is going to be a state-by-state decision, and you can't assume that they're going to take this across the board. Now, on gay marriage, it's even more fraudulent. The opinion written by Justice Kennedy on legalizing gay marriage and requiring the states to honor gay marriage was based on the 14th Amendment, not on the right to privacy. The 14th Amendment says every person is entitled to the equal protection of the law. And Kennedy said, when a man and a woman come to a judge and say, we want to be married, they got to be, and, and another man and man or two women come to the same judge and say, we want to be married. He has to treat them equally. Mm-hmm. He lets the man and the woman marry. He has to let the two men marry and right, the two fine. women marry. And that's based on the 14th Amendment. Nobody's repealing the 14th Amendment. It has nothing to do with the right to privacy. Zip, zero, zero. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they're hyping this issue is indicative of how weak their issue of abortion is just that they hope another bumper will save sticker. them in the election. They just want another and bumper sticker. They just figure that they can pull a sleight of hand here and pretend that uh, that this is all about the right to privacy. Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Let's go to Andrew and Stanhope. Hey, Andrew. Hey. Yeah, both Biden, when he ran, and if Mike Pence challenges Trump, they both based their campaign on a lie. Biden was the Charlottesville that Trump never condemned white supremacy, which was just a straight out lie. But in a way, Pence is worse because he was saying that Trump wanted him to overthrow the election and he could have overthrown it, but he chose not to to follow the will of the people. So, you know, he's lying. He knows he can't overthrow yeah. it. Well, he Pence, can have a re- Pence was just a disgrace. I mean, this guy was the governor of Indiana, and nobody knew he was alive outside of the state. And uh, Trump swooped in, elevated him, made him vice president, gave him – he didn't treat him as window dressing. He gave him COVID as an issue, gave him a platform, a podium, 
uh, and tremendous opportunity to air his views, and then he turns around and screws him the first chance he gets. This was a total outrage. He, he had been working for him for four years, and right before he leaves, he delivers this body blow to uh, Trump. Horrible. It was absolutely horrible. Um, let's go to uh, Alan Yonkers. Hey, Al. Alan Yonkers. Yeah, hi, guys. How you doing? You know, I just wanted to say, first off, that, you know, with the Trump family, you know, my condolences. Uh, that's a really terrible loss with the uh, wife of Anna. And I'm sure they're going through a period right now of grief. I wanted to say, you know, I hope uh, in 2024 that uh, Donald Trump does run again. Uh, I think him picking uh, Governor DeSantis as his number two would be unlikely because I think you never want your number two to overshadow you. Yeah. And to <laughs> pick some, it takes it takes a pretty big body to overshadow Donald Trump. No, but he makes but, a point. But you're right. You don't want your vice president maneuvering against you uh, or maneuvering on his own. I think you're right about that. But come on, there are a million other people he can choose. Right. And choosing Pence would make sense because no, Pence okay. is I mean, choosing DeSantis yeah. makes sense because he's very popular and he's done a he's really great. Good job, I think, as uh, as governor. So I wouldn't be against that. But what I am against and ranting and raving against is people who say, oh, I like Donald Trump's record and I think I agree with his positions, but he's too aggressive. I don't like his tweets. I wish we had a kinder, gentler Donald Trump. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, be picky and get yourself Joe Biden or somebody like that for four years. How would you like President Hillary Clinton or President Bernie Sanders? Yeah. They have great personalities. They don't tweet anybody. Hilda uh, Beast. You'll, you'll love them. Hi, it's Lou Dobbs for Priority Gold, America's precious metals dealer. These are volatile times with high inflation, soaring debt, wars on multiple continents, and rising financial stress. Central banks are buying gold to diversify their reserves, so are many Americans. Call Priority Gold and find out how precious metals can help you diversify your portfolio. They're highly rated and happy to help. Call 1-866-303-6357 or get a free gold guide at Priority Gold. Goldguide.com. That's PriorityGoldGuide.com. Talk Radio 77 WABC. It's Sunday, and you know what that means. Here's Dick Morris on 77 WABC. A man who leads a life of danger To everyone he meets He stays a stranger I always say that no two people hate me for the same reason <laughs> The Democrats hate me because I swept their president from them The Republicans what? hate me because I helped them get reelected. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny So um, let's go to Paul in New Jersey Hey Paula Yes, uh, good afternoon uh, I would like to uh, pose uh, th- this to be thought about. Uh, there's been such severe criticism uh, of our former uh, beloved President Trump as to what he, what happened, uh, you know, after he saw things unfolding. And I just wanted to bring this to your attention for your weight on it. Um, the uh, people who were protesting, uh, there was. 
there were other people who were camouflaged in their exact hats and flags and shoes and costumes. And how was was I I want to cut you off here. I appreciate your call and I appreciate your question. I've studiously avoided paying the least bit of attention to the stories about the uh, January 6th because I think it's all a hoax and a setup uh, to try to fry Donald Trump. It's third impeachment, really, when you get down to it. And it has only one purpose, one purpose only, which is to invent the fiction that he led an insurrection, a fiction insurrection without guns. And that, therefore, under the 14th Amendment, he falls into the same category as Robert E. Lee and right. Jefferson Davis as a traitor against America and can't run for president. Once again, An divide. absolute and total fraud. Once but again, divide. thank you for your call. Divide and conquer once again, right? Yeah. Same, same calculation. Now, Steve Bannon is a good friend of mine, and uh, I admire him so much. Uh, sometimes I tell him that there are five living people who have uh, gotten presidents elected, and we're kind of a small club. We don't like each other, <laughs> but, but we are. And it includes Carl Rove and, uh, and, and you, uh, Steve Bannon, and me with Bill Clinton and so on. And uh, I really admire him. I think he's brilliant. But my blood boils when I hear that he has been convicted of something that wasn't a crime until just recently, of something nobody has been convicted of for 50 years, and of something that he basically didn't do. He had nothing to do with the January 6th riot. He was home in bed. And why, how they could possibly say that he's in contempt of Congress by failing to testify about something he didn't do. And his lawyer told him that it violated executive privilege. Let me just explain executive privilege for a second. I have other times. When George Washington was president, he sent John Jay, the head of the Supreme Court, to negotiate a treaty with Britain. And the his opponents, the, the uh, Republicans, Jefferson's people, said, we want to see the notes and the instructions you gave John Jay because he concluded a treaty we don't like, and we want to see President Washington if you ordered that. And President Washington said, no, I'm not going to give you my notes because I am entitled to privacy in dealing with my chief advisor. Uh, Policy, I'll let you know about. Cabinet members making policy will do in public. But a private instruction I give to a guy to negotiate for me, you ain't seeing. And that's what Bannon said. He held no public office. He was not a White House employee. He may have had private conversations with the president and the president wanted those to be protected by executive privilege, and the court committee wouldn't do it. Now, is he right or wrong? I don't know, but that's what his lawyer told him. And you can't convict somebody for something when, of, of that kind of issue where the lawyer told him it's fine to do it. And the judge in the case would not let the lawyer tell the jury that, would not let really? that info to the jury. He was not allowed to say that. He was not allowed to call witnesses who were members of the committee. He was not allowed to put on the defense, and he's convicted. I think it will be thrown out on appeal, but it is absolutely horrible, and it really reminds me of the dangers of us becoming a police state. Guns and gates no longer hold you in. 
join poor Nikita uh, behind the guns and the gates that hold us in. And uh, you can see the handwriting on the wall. Poor Rudy Giuliani. There's fraud in an election in Georgia. It's obvious, transparent. It's been confirmed in the audit. The state legislature has admitted that that's the case. The governor, even Raffensperger, says that that's true. But Giuliani, for saying it's true, is interfering in the election process. So the DA of Fulton County, solidly Democrat, largely minority, subpoenas Rudy, preparatory probably toward indicting him, um, for the crime of saying that the election was fraudulent. Uh, this is this is absolutely Joe Stalin's show trials. Now, of course, we should be grateful that he's being brought to trial. The other method of changing people you don't like is assassination. And uh, Paul Zeldin has been subject oh. to that uh, risk. Uh, a guy with razor blades uh, mounted the podium, got to within two feet of him, and had his hand about a foot away from his throat God. when former military guy Zeldin grabbed his arm and the crowd wrestled him to the ground. And then he was let out. He was let free. He was let to walk. Why? Because he didn't actually slit his throat. If he did slit his throat, he would die, of course. But the the assassin would get, you know, the five years in jail he deserves for assassinating a guy. Uh, This is this is horrific. This is awful. This is the ultimate illustration of this, of of the whole no bail, let him go policy. And do you know that MSNBC has not covered it? CNN has not covered no, it. No way. Not, not covered it knocked on it. They haven't covered it. The viewers <laughs> don't know that the Republican nominee for governor of the third large, of the fourth largest state in America almost had his throat slit on, on a public podium, and the guy who did it was is not being prosecuted wow. and was let go. Now, thank goodness somebody at the Justice Department in Washington realized that after Steve Scalise was shot, Right. Congressman, the they made it a crime to intend to assault a federal official, a member of Congress, and and they arrested him for this. Uh, but God knows what penalty he'll get. This is absolutely awful. A bullet from the back of a bush took Medgar Evers' blood. A finger fired the trigger to his name. A Hit out in the dark, he hands set the spark, two eyes took the aim behind a man's brain, but he can't be blamed. He's only a pawn in the game. So this guy, I don't know his name and I don't care to, right. is only a pawn in their game. In their game of intimidation. What's the difference between the legal lynching of Steve Bannon and an assassination attempt on Lee Zeldin? They have the same cloth. And by the way, if we're mad at Trump for egging on the January 6th crowd that he didn't do, he said, go home and go to bed. Yeah. Uh, why aren't we mad at 
Kathy Hochul, the governor of New York, for telling her supporters to go to the rally and heckle Zeldin right. and confront him. He, she didn't tell him to stab him in the throat, but she damn near did. Yeah, right. She said, go to the opposition rally. And she used her position as governor to promote that. And nobody is holding her accountable. Oh, no, not at this all. This isn't the world's no. biggest campaign issue. This isn't going to determine the election, but it should, for God's sakes. Remember Maxine Waters when she said, you see a Trump supporter, go round them, don't let them not welcome. Remember Maxine Waters? Well, he Waters? said, Holler, go to the restaurant and hound them out. Right. Poor Ted Cruz can't eat at the Capitol Grill anymore. Yeah, where right. I had dinner with him because he'd be, uh, he'd be confronted. Right. Uh, and, it's okay, uh, though. No, it's okay. It's different. Yeah, and, and and but it is horrible that they're letting uh, that they're letting this go and that it's not being publicized. Well, but there'll be a, a appeal. Uh, oh no, what we're, we're talking about? Well, Zeldin the feds now. have arrested oh, them. That might result in charges. Um, so when we come back from the break, I'm going to introduce you to the Bronx equivalent of Sarah Palin, and she is giving AOC what we always call a Bronx. Here. You ain't kidding. <laughs> and you know what that is. And you know the hand gesture that accompanies it. <laughs> and she's doing that to AOC. Uh, this is not some mousy woman Ooh, running for office. Oh, no. Italian. Because the party put her up to it. So when we come back, we'll talk to, we'll talk to Tina um, Forte, who is absolutely the most wonderful candidate around. Amazing. Talk Radio 77 WABC. It's Sunday, and you know what that means. Here's Dick Morris on 77 WABC. Tell by the way she runs <laughs> that <laughs> Tina Forte is no AOL, no way. Uh, the AOC, AOC. Sorry, not AOC. AOC. Um, there is no more dangerous member of Congress than AOC, and she is going to run for president. That's P R E S I D E N T of the United States of America. What's going to happen is that Biden will be will be forced out. Harris will be forced out. Sanders will announce his candidacy. He'll skyrocket to the top of the polls, and then people will say, wait a minute, we don't want another 84-year-old running for this job. Mm -hmm. We have one already who's decrepit and senile and everything. And then somebody will do a poll with AOC running instead of Sanders, and all the people will say, we need a Latino, we need young, we need charismatic, Mm -hmm. we need articulate, we're voting for her. And this race will boil down to a nominating fight between Sanders or AOC against, uh, against, uh, I'm sorry, uh, against uh, Trump. And, and that, I'm sorry, in the primary against Hillary. Excuse me, I'm confused. And uh, we have to stop AOC in the bud. We have to nip her before she gets going. We have to kill her before she multiplies. Now, for those who live in Bronx and Queens in the 14th District, 
The problem with AOC is that she forgot you exist. Uh, she is a national figure now, and that spotlight blinds her to the little granular garbage, minor stuff that you worry about, things like crime <laughs> and uh, and noise and no city services and lousy schools and no access. You know, the charter schools, you know, the minor stuff yeah, that's that nothing. you little people worry about yeah, while common... she is concerned with the global issue oh, of America's evilness and racism and all of that. And whether you agree with AOC or not, wouldn't it be nice to have a congressman you could call your own? So let me introduce one who you could call your own, Tina Forte. Yes. Hello. Thank you for having me. Hi, Dick. Hi, Doug. Hi, Tina. Hi, everyone. So Super. talk about the idea of how this district is being shortchanged by Tina, by uh, AOC. Well, basically, AOC. everyone likes to say it's the forgotten district. She abandoned the district. She's too national. Um, she's an elite now. And her wokeness will not feed your families. Her wokeness will not keep you safe. And her wokeness will not stop inflation. Her wokeness is not going to help the subways that right now feces are being thrown in the faces of people while they're riding it. Crime is out of control. Children are ducking bullets. They want to upzone the area of the Bronx, which is going to put a big strain on the school system, on the infrastructure, and everything in the district. Upzone means. Up, up means yeah. they want to knock down a supermarket and they want to put low-income housing there. Yeah, and density, more density. Yes, yes. There That's is, what your district yes. needs, more welfare more, recipients. They, right? right, exactly. Yeah. And that will just totally destroy. And that's a very big fight right now going on in the Bronx. And no one is representing them. No one. You know, when you look at, AO, at AOC's capacity to generate publicity, where she's basically a genius and she's a PR magnet. Uh, why doesn't she do that about when people let go in jail without bail? Why doesn't she use that power and publicity uh, to talk about the deterioration of the schools and that the people who graduate can't read the diplomas they've been given? Why doesn't she use it to talk about the impact of inflation on the people in the district? Why does she just use it to speak about our policy in Latin America or our national health care system or all kinds of issues that are way above the level of the district? Well, I've watched her on TV, and I've listened to how she speaks, and AOC is about AOC. AOC is not for anyone else except for herself and her agenda and her pulling the entire Democrat Party to the left. That's all that AOC is about. Like I said... You need to give her a map for her to find District 14. <laughs> yes. So oh, she wouldn't know where it is. Yes. But you'll I take mean, care of it. If she, if she were the congressman for the east side of Manhattan, okay, you know, it's an international area. The U.N.'s there. Okay. But she's the congressman for one of the poorest, most neglected districts in the United States. She's the congressman. If there was ever flyover country in Manhattan, New York City, this would be it. And she pays absolutely no attention to it. Nothing at all. You know, Winston Churchill once said of somebody, and this could apply to AOC, he's a self-made man. She's a self-made woman who worships her creator. (laughs) 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 All she does is look in the damn mirror. Yes, you're right. She, She does makeup tutorials on Instagram. 
for her base. No way. But yes, she does. Yes, she does. And that that's how she plays to the young votes. Well, isn't that appropriate? Yeah. She is all makeup. Right. <laughs> I mean, she is. We need you. She's, she's, we need she's you. all yeah. powder and puff. And, and right. everything's there. Um, and she fortunately, she has the majority in the House. Uh, she can get stuff passed. Uh, she could get, for example, legislation that would require that cities prosecute people who are arrested and set bail for violent crimes and not release them on the street or have them lose federal funding. They could do that. That would be a bill that Donald Trump could sponsor. And Tina AOC will do could it. Sponsor. Well, Tina well will a do congressman it. has the power of the purse. She won't talk about that. So to me, when I'm elected, I would use that in my favor for the district. So if you're not going to keep a criminal behind bars or you're going to want to pass poor rules in schools, you're not going to get the federal funding. I will hold it back because I hold the power of the purse. Beautiful. Yep. Well, thank you, Tina. Love talking to you tonight. Thank you for I love me. the opportunity to, you know, to give you a mic is redundant. <laughs> <laughs> You're loud enough anyway without Boat it. But Tina. A feisty, strong, aggressive woman who can take it to AOC and give her as good as she got. Good. And somebody who is totally homegrown. I call her the Sarah Palin of the Bronx. You know, <laughs> I love it. she's, 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 she's the mama bear who's defending the district and defending the people in the district. And, uh, she, she doesn't appear on radio, but she has tats all on her arms, patriotic tats about America. And beautiful. And, uh, and, and boy, she's incredible. So, uh, if you say, if you're in the district, you're lucky you're going to meet her. Because she's going to be your congressman for a long time. Oh, so great. And from our point of view, the people that don't live in the district, this is our chance to stop AOC before she multiplies. I mean, would that somebody had taken on Joe Biden? You know, would that somebody yeah. had taken on Barack Obama when he ran for the state senate or whatever the position yeah, was yeah. he held before it's a he was president? Uh, it's a twofer, but it's – but. And and this is not just a question of getting people who oppose her ideologically. The congressman from the 14th District has nothing to say about whether America is a racist country or an evil country or a country forced for raw, bad in the world. The congressman has nothing to say about our incomes unequal in America, are poor people discriminated against, is there racism – What she does have something to say about is do the damn trains run on time? Do the schools respect their students and not abuse them by leftist ideology? Do the, is there a charter school that people can send their children to and give them a choice about this fundamental issue that affects their daily lives? Uh, do we want to live in a city where, uh, somebody who commits a crime, a violent crime is arrested because the cop risked his life to do it? And the second he brings him in, he's immediately back out on the street. And what better example do you want than the son of a gun who tried to assassinate Lee Zeldin? He was back out on the street before Zeldin was. Yeah. Uh, and, and do you want to live in a city like that? That's what a congressman can do. That's what a congressperson can be involved in. And don't tell me you don't need it. Uh, this district more than any other needs it. You know, 
it's a district that encompasses the Bronx and Queens. But AOC just falls into the river (laughs) 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 right between them. So she could take a bath. Yeah. So remember Tina Forte. She's worth remembering. And she'll be in your face enough so you don't have to worry about that. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, Let's, uh, one final caller. Let's go to Jerry in New Brunswick. Hey, Jerry. Yeah, Dick. Thanks for taking the call. You know, I just had two things about the 2020 election. I just wonder if you would tell me if I'm all wet or not. First, I believe that Trump lost that election before there was even one vote cast. And number two, that uh, all the little incidental things that they picked up at these polling places and all that, uh, that had, if all those had been correct, he still would have lost the election. Well, I believe that it is true that Joe Biden did a better job of getting out his vote than Trump did of getting out his vote for one reason, because Trump didn't try to, because Biden didn't try to get out his vote. He said, stay at home, finish your beer, watch the game, and when they knock on your door, they'll lend you a pen, they'll give you the paper, check the box. You don't have to get your wallet and get voter ID. Uh, We'll bring the vote to you. And Donald Trump's campaign said, our country's at stake. Go stand in the cold in the rain for two or three hours to vote for me. And any pizza delivery boy will tell you that home delivery beats getting people to go out. (laughs) And this year, the Republicans are going to bring the ballot to the people, not get out the vote, keep in the vote. And let me say that, but equally, having done that, if only voters who were legal voters had voted, we would have carried Arizona, Georgia, Wisconsin, and very probably Pennsylvania or Michigan, and Trump would be president. Why did the courts not throw out the election? One simple, simple reason that nobody talks about. It was a secret ballot. Once we proved that 25,000 dead people voted... How do we know who they voted for? Yeah, right. Did they vote for Biden or for Trump? Once we proved that these people voted out of their district, once we proved that they weren't, they didn't sign, they weren't the same people, they weren't registered, all that. How do we know if the vote went for Biden or for Trump? You can only throw it out if you say, if you know that it went for Biden. And that was the excuse. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com. 